0: This is the Fire Dog Podcast. The views and opinions presented on today's episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Air Force. Welcome, my name is Ben Perry here with Matt Wilson. Thank you for joining us for episode 21 of the Fire Dog Podcast. Our guest today is the Fire Chief at Beale Air Force Base in California. He's been in the Air Force Fire Service for twenty-eight years. He has his chief fire officer designation, a master's degree in leadership, and his department was recently named the Ralph E. Sanborn Department of Defense Fire Department of the Year. Please welcome Chief Kevin Smith. Welcome, Chief.
1: Thank you. Good morning, everyone.
2: Thank you for allowing me to do this. Yeah, Chief, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's always great to talk to fire chiefs. It seems to be something that our listeners want to hear. They want to hear what fire chiefs have to say. So there's a lot of topics we want to dig into today. Uh, But before we start, I'd like to get a little background on yourself. uh, Where are you from? And tell us a little bit about your career up to this point.
1: Awesome. Uh, I was born in Houston, but raised in Oceanside, California, Um, the son of a Marine. My dad's a retired Marine off Camp Pendleton. So raised, raised in Oceanside pretty much my whole life joined the Air Force and became got, got lucky to be a firefighter it, I was I was I was guaranteed job for cardiopulmonary resuscitatory specialist um, went in a little bit earlier than what I was supposed to and my older brother fun fact my older brother was actually an Air Force firefighter as well um, we were stationed at the same base March Air Force Base our first base so we went through tech school um, the day he graduated tech school was the day I started block one day one so Pretty cool. Anybody out there that knows Brandon Anderson um, from back in the day, my older brother. And yeah, raised in Oceanside, came in the Air Force, stationed at March Air Force Base, went to the Air Force Academy from there, went to Sotocano, Honduras from there, went to Lake, or excuse me, went to Nellis from there, then went to Lake and Heath, then Langley. And I retired off ACCIG at Langley married with four kids my daughter my oldest is currently serving she's uh the new and improved version of a1c smith at luke air force base so if any of you are at luke and you walk into MPF, she will probably make your id card and i have three other children all are in between junior high and high school and my wife is actually retiring off of active duty in exactly one month from now she is currently a health professions recruiter Um, So she did tier one recruiting and now she's doing tier two and prior logistics troop by trade. But so she retires one September. And so we're excited about that. We did a geographically separation, separated marriage for 11 years. Uh, The air force will do that to you sometimes. And so now we're finally under the same roof and it looks like my house is not a bachelor pad anymore, as she would say. So (laughs) Um, I, I, I work at Beale Air Force Base. I work for 60 amazing firefighters. Um, I come to work every day. I have a lot of fun. I laugh a lot. Um, we be, we're we big on professional development. We're big on education. We're big on knowing your job, being able to respond. You have a lot of wildland fires on base. Um, a few years ago, CE building burnt down. So we, we Beale's not the sleepy hollow that people think it is. We We rock out pretty well. And yeah, That's it. I'm wearing a Wu-Tang shirt, so I'm a Wu-Tang fan.
2: (laughs) Were you the fire chief for the CE
1: building fire? Actually, I was not. I was the assistant chief of operations. Um, When I retired from the Air Force, I got hired as the assistant chief of operations at Beale. And this the fire at CE happened February 20th, Martin Luther King Day, February 20th. Um, 2013. And I got hired at Beal September 11th, 2012. So the first thing I thought when I pulled up to the CE building was that I'm getting fired because I'm still under probation. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. You, everyone knows that you, you don't have the staffing that you would normally have on a holiday based on con ops. And so, yeah, I was the AC of ops, ran that incident.
2: Oh, first on scene and everything. Yes, sir. Yeah. What happened with that? Th- I, I'd never read the story. It was, um, a,
1: electrical more or less in the alarm shop, <laughs> go figure. Right. So oh, really? it started in the alarm shop of, of CE and, you know, they had everything in that building. It was a pretty large size building. So they had all the the CE crafts. Um, they had all the the drafting paperwork from the mechanical and electrical and, and, and the other engineers. So all of their p- documentation, um, their maps, they had, um, power pros equipment, small engine, um, all the small engine stuff that that they had for for Power Pro they had um structures all the carpentry stuff the wood so it was it was a pretty heavy duty fire and and by the time we got there and and started mitigating it was it was lost before we even started
0: so more than one facility it was it was a couple of different facilities
1: no that that was one facility it
0: was just oh, a wow. very large the just CE a really compound. Big facility okay Yes, yeah, I've sir. seen
2: pictures. Of the building—it looked yeah. huge. It, it was really massive. Big. I imagine you guys needed help from mutual aid. We problem. had about fifteen engines, to include oh, wow. three,
1: two, three other ladder trucks come in from from the city. Beale is really, really lucky. Um, we we work with our our partners off base a lot. Matter of fact, we just sent a strike team out. Um, they just came back yesterday. We had a strike team go out for seven days for the gold fire up by Susanvale, California. I think it's about thirty thousand acres burned. Um, so we sent strike teams out, and and it's super awesome the 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 experience that you would get on a strike team working with the divisions through Cal Fire and and OES and all that stuff. It's it's just something that you really don't get except for a few bases like Vandenberg and maybe the Air Force Academy and a couple other places. So
2: if you want to fight fire, especially wildland, feels the spot. Yeah, we did a little bit when I was in Elmendorf. What are your strike teams? What's the makeup? Are you guys sending engines? Are you part of a structural protection team?
1: One type three engine and three people at a minimum on that engine. And you're right. Jay Bear does does do a whole lot of um, wildland fire as well. But yes, one one engine type three. And then three personnel on that engine. So and they'll go out anywhere from one day to 14 days. And it just depends on how long the incident is. But it's no longer than 14 days. Then they'll release that strike team and bring another team in to replace them for R&R. Civilians, too? Yes, sir. I just sent a battalion chief out or station captain, as the Air Force call it. But we're on the West Coast. <laughs> I just sent a battalion chief out with an airman, an A1C, and
2: they had another civilian. So do you send a senior fire officer too? is it's just three people to operate the engine? I don't normally send a senior fire officer. Um, it's just
1: who I happen to have. And, and I want to get him experience on his task books. So if you're at J-Bear, you know that you have to get um, those NWCG task books signed off. The best way to get those NWCG task books signed off is to go on a strike team because of the experience that you get in that you know, five to 14 day period, you don't get that on base. J bear is just not burning like that or, or, or Vandenberg or Beal. So you get those strike team that experience and you send a a chief fire officer out and their task books get signed off pretty
2: quickly. Yeah. You need things to burn to be able to complete them. You know, you have to see fire. It's like conduct the size up on a fire. Well, something's got to burn before I can do that. So,
0: (laughs) Right. Well, Chief, you mentioned in your intro that you, in your department, uh, take professional development pretty seriously. You've got a pretty impressive resume yourself, uh, having your chief fire officer de- designation and your master's degree. So we'd like to kind of pick your brain. What's some advice you'd like to give the, uh, the listeners when it comes to professional development? Uh, how do they, how do, you know, how do they take the next step if they want to up their game?
1: They so so with the CPSC, um, as you guys mentioned, in the opening that they have a fire officer designation. They have a chief fire officer designation. They have a chief training officer. Um, so there's different designations that you can you can get. Um, you don't have to be a fire chief to get the fire officer designation. More or less a crew chief. And, and I look at this because I ask people all the time as they're trying to get promoted through Air Force Fire or DOD Fire or even civilian fire departments for that matter, if you go on Indeed.com right now and you look and see there's a job opening to be an assistant chief in the city of Houston, they're going to require you to have a bachelor's degree and they're going to require you to have some kind of credential, whether it's CFO or the state uh, fire marshal's credential or or something equivalent. It's a requirement for them. It's not a requirement for us, but in my opinion, it it should be highly recommended based on the fact that who hires fire chiefs? And that's a question for you guys. And it's rhetorical. Commanders, absolutely. What do commanders value? Education. That you know what you're doing. It, they add. They 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 value that you know what you're doing. Absolutely. Sure. That's the number one thing that they should value. But they do. They value education because most all of your commanders and Air Force CE are educated, right? They have it um, a minimum. They mostly, if you're a lieutenant colonel or a major and CE, you have a a master's degree. Um, They also value credentialing because they get what's called PE, professional engineers. So when you have some letters behind your name, they understand the value of that. Now, disclaimer, I wanna tell everyone, getting a degree or getting credential does not make you a better firefighter. There are way better fire chiefs out there than Kevin Smith that have none of this stuff. Um, So there are way better firefighters out there that do not have a degree or don't have credentials. So it doesn't make you better. But what it does make you is a little more marketable when it comes time for promotion or if you want to move or if you're retiring from the Air Force and you're ready to take that next step to to get a job somewhere. When do you start separating the herd? And that's what you have to start looking at. For you guys as senior NCOs, the herd is separated, right? When you start testing for senior, they start looking at certain things. Why is that? They don't want a guy that or a guy or girl to come into that senior NCO tier as a senior master sergeant or chief master sergeant and you're developing documents now. And if you don't know the difference between there, there and there or two and two, it really looks bad when you're sending these documents up to people that are educated and, and that's where you see all those red pen marks come into play.
0: Well and um, it conveys that you're serious too, I think, you yes. know, that you've invested the time and the energy to 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 put into something other than something that's required.
1: Yes. And I'll tell anyone, sir, I'll tell anyone that getting a bachelor's degree or a master's degree is not hard. It's time consuming, but it isn't hard. Any one of us that have taken an ASVAB or done CDCs or, or promotion tested or anything like that, we've studied to do that. Getting a degree isn't hard. It's just extremely time consuming. Getting credentialed, if anyone out there wants to get credentialed and you have a bachelor's degree and you can get go category A, Shoot me an email, Kevin, period, Smith, period, 150 at US, period, AF, period, mill, and I will talk you through the entire package. And you could probably get it done over a lunch break if you were serious. Over a lunch break. So I'm all about giving back. The letters behind my name have nothing to do with me being a better chief. It has to do with I'm going to get it done. And so I'm willing to help anyone else that wants to get it done as well, including the people in my department. I want people in my department to be the most eligible people for the job in your department that they can be because they can't beat somebody that's already at your base. That's working because they have that familiarity. And so if I know that my, the bill guy is coming in ahead of the curve with some of this stuff that looks sexy on their resume and they can firefight, I've just brought a contender to the table to get a job or promotion in your fire department.
0: So is that the the kind of bulk of what you're, Professional development is centered around you 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 use that as kind of a mold to to deliver to your firefighters or is there you have, you know, multiple other things that you pull out to help professionally and personally develop your firefighters there?
1: Oh, multiple things. I believe in going to conferences. Um, I sent I sent one of my battalion chiefs to a wildland conference up at Reno a couple of years ago. In my opinion, that's professional development because you're mingling with other professionals within the career field that aren't specific to Air Force or DOD. And he brought back the ATAC system, which some of you guys have worked with or you've seen it. But the ATAC is an Android um, type system. And it's it's more or less a common operating picture for a fraction of the price of what the Air Force is paying for it right now. Um, Professional development can be doing CDCs. Um, One thing that you want to remember if you're looking at someone's resume, and the last time they did some type of CDC or some type of class or anything, um, some type of conference was eight years ago. When you look at their resume and you go, what have you been doing since then? So that's, that's what I like to tell people. Um, you got to take a break also. You got to enjoy your family. Take a break. Don't grind all the time. But hey, if, you're, if, you're, if you got to dust off your resume, you haven't done anything for three, four, five years, six years, go enroll in the CDC. They're free. Everyone in Air Force Fire Protection can do a CDC for free. Uh, so to me, that's professional development. Professional development would be teaching a class. If your expertise is ropes and knots, Go teach a class. That's professional development. To me, your, your, your professional development is also using your education to help the department move forward. If you have a, if you have a kinesiology degree, why aren't you in there helping, helping the guys learn how to lift properly or diet appropriately? Um, We want to make it from cradle to grave and we have a rigorous career field. So go, go execute. If you have a degree in theology, we, a lot of us know that we, we have some mental health issues. It, we just don't talk about it. But if you have that the, theology degree and, and you, you study the ministry, go help out your fellow airmen or go help out that civilian that's going through that rough divorce. So that's, that's my take on, on, on the education and credentialing. Um, it's just not about getting a credential or, or going to school to get your bachelor's degree or master's degree and whatever. Use it, execute that degree um, to help
2: your department or, or help your coworkers or Help the fellow firefighters in Air Force Fire Protection. And a bonus is you don't have to pay for much if you're in the Department of Defense or the Air Force, if anything, nope. really. You don't have to pay anything pretty much up until your bachelor's degree and a lot of stuff beyond that. You'll probably have to pay a little bit if you want to go after a master's or beyond that. But if, if you're on active duty,
1: you, there's places, there are schools that you can use your TA to cover your complete master's degree. Oh, wow. Okay. Amazing. My wife just finished her master's degree at Western Kentucky University, along with several other firefighters that are doing it right now. Um, I'm not going to name drop them, but there's several firefighters that are doing it right now. And it to T.A. covers 100 percent of their master's degree. That's and little, cool. little do people know a master's degree can be as little as 10 classes, 10 mm-hmm. classes. That's all it takes. Um, if you're an Air Force civilian, you get 75 percent tuition assistance paid for up, even through your doctorate degree. So you can go and get a, a PhD and the Air Force will pay 75% of that. So when people tell me that I can't, I don't have the money to go to school, it's not the money. You don't have the time maybe, but again, there's other people out there that are doing it that have less time
2: than you do. Um, so where are you prioritizing? Right, there's really not too many excuses. Some people have legitimate excuses, but should be going after that stuff if you have the opportunity. I'd like to switch gears a little bit Chief, given the current events surrounding race relations and inequality in America, and specifically with African-Americans, I'd like to get your thoughts on the topic. So at any point uh, throughout your career, did you sense any or did you have any experience with any barriers for career progression?
1: Um, not necessarily career progression. I, I've had had some, you know, I had a specific incident at a specific base, um, and I, again, can't say any names necessarily, but I was, I was called the N word by the leader of that department and in front of a, a large audience at the time and all over a misunderstanding. And this was in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. So it's one of those things where, where you think to yourself, wow, is this really happening? Um, it's 1998. And so it's, it's when you look at Race relations within within America today, you see a, a a large divide with with who supports what and who's down with what. And you, you even see it transitioning down to the fire service. And, and I don't think anyone the Air Force has a very good promotion system, um, especially if you're on active duty. It's it seems like it's faceless, which is which is awesome. It would be great if it was nameless as well. So so we can capture some some of the females. In our career field, um and I know that that Chief Wagner and Chief Morris are really getting after that and and it makes my heart warm that that that's something that they're looking at but i'll just throw I'll throw the grenade out there. How many Pacific Islander fire chiefs do you see out there
2: in the air Force? yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my
1: head there's there's two that I know of um how many female fire chiefs or deputies for that matter do you see in air Force yeah, we, we in our military a we
2: yep. talked a little bit with uh Chief Wagner on that, and I don't think there's any. How many black fire chiefs do you see in Air Force
1: Fire Protection? Well, there's you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know of any others. There's three. Three. Um, so when you look at the the scope of of how large our career field is and, and you look and see and, and you've, you've probably met some really sharp female firefighters that can be great deputies or chiefs um, or Pacific Islanders or Hispanics or Anyone, for that matter, not to take away from any other race to say that they're not they they shouldn't be recognized because of this or that. But when you look across the board and you see some of the sharp individuals, you have to ask yourself, why are they not progressing or or leaving the career field as a whole? So that's one of the questions I've asked myself for a long time. Why aren't these people progressing? And sometimes it's not the system. Sometimes it's the individual. I don't want to leave Tyndall because this is where I'm at. And I'm going to retire as a battalion chief at Tyndall, knowing I have the opportunity and the capability to be a a, a fire chief. So sometimes it's that. But sometimes it's 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 the good old boy system that just won't let you progress. So when when I got promoted, I, I heard a rumor that I got promoted to the fire chief because my current fire chief at the time was black and the CE commander was black. Now, so a hard question I'll ask is if you were to get promoted to fire chief in your department tomorrow, would somebody walk around and say, no, the only reason Matt got promoted is because his commander is white and his current fire chief is white? Yeah, probably
2: not. I, and chief, you're asking us a lot of tough questions here. We're supposed to be asking the questions. <laughs> oh no. who's, who's, who's
0: doing the interview here?
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I can understand that. And uh, I can't understand it, but I can see the frustration. Yeah. Anytime a female progresses or is promoted or gets an award. Did she, she just get a question female? Right. The first question yeah. is always, oh, it's because she was a female, or is that why it happened? Which, you know, if I got the same thing, they wouldn't question it most of the time, I don't think.
1: So is that some sort of bias that we're looking at within Certainly. the career
2: field? Certainly, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I I would I would be the first to say that racism in the career field is not as prevalent as 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 it is in society as a whole. Um, or in the Air Force, for that matter. But there's definitely some bias um, within Air Force fire protection and and the Air Force in general. Um, and the biases have to be recognized and they have to people have to accept that the biases exist in order to say, how do we how do we move on? How do we work on these biases? Um, did I get promoted to the fire chief because my CE commander was black and my previous fire chief was black? Maybe. But the person that hired me was the group commander who was white. And his deputy, a civilian white guy. So the more people know, the more they understand that, well, maybe this didn't happen the way that I think it did. But my question to people is, why was it even a question anyway? Right. I've never questioned anybody that got promoted based on their skin color.
2: Yeah. So what are some practical steps? What are some things you do within your department to, to make sure that there is equal opportunity and there is less bias? I mean, you can't get rid of all bias, but what are some practical things people can do?
1: Um, I, I tell a story um, and I, I told the story on Facebook and I got some feedback from it, um, positive and negative, And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it again. Um, I was not the shiny penny coming through Air Force fire protection when I was wearing stripes. I just wasn't. And it wasn't because my leadership didn't take care of me. My leadership took more care of me than I can ever ask um, for, for the most part. I've had some bad ones. I've had some good ones like everyone else. But my leadership throughout fire protection through my 28 years has been phenomenal. Um, but I wasn't your shiny penny. I wasn't the guy winning all the awards or anything like that. Um, but because I wasn't the shiny penny, did that make me any less valuable than a shiny penny? So a penny's worth is a penny's worth, right? There's one penny is worth one penny, whether it's the dullest penny in your piggy bank or whether it's the shiniest penny in your penny penny. It's all going to spend the same way. So if you invest in people as with that philosophy that even your dull penny at some point has the same value than your shiny penny and you can execute and get them to respond based off of, hey, I realize I you have value, sir, ma'am, I realize your value. It may not be as shiny as this other penny is, but you still spend the same way. Your worth is still the same. Whether you're black, white, female, male, Native American, um, whatever, from the South, from the North, from California, your value is all the same to me when I walk into the department. And, and my biggest thing is I work for you. When you come, walk inside a bill fire department, you don't work for me. I work for you. So my job is to ensure that, you know, your value and your worth when you come to work every day.
2: Yeah, that's great advice. That's what I do. And everybody, everybody's good at something different, too. And, And so, yeah, a shiny penny or a dull penny, they're they're good at different things. And so you can leverage their talents in different ways. It takes all kinds of kinds.
1: And you're gonna have that penny that that just is it can't be spent anymore, it has no more value left to it. And and the Air Force does a really good job of separating individuals that that don't have the worth to the Air Force um, that that's needed to to continue to do the mission. But of course
0: you know they're still they're still valuable members of society, whether or not they belong in the Air Force or not. Absolutely.
1: Don't throw them away. Because they 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 do have value, whether it's outside the air Force doing something else, you're right, So they do have value. you
2: know I always tell people that the people that seem to be motivated to to leave the air Force for whatever reason and I, I don't judge anybody it's if it's not your thing, it's not your thing if firefighting is not your thing, it's not your thing, but do the best job that you can do right now mm-hmm. because right now you're creating your reputation or you're building reputation because you're gonna you're gonna ask people for things eventually for references or for advice or whatever, you need, or use your education. So do the best that you can do now so that you set yourself up for success for what you want to do.
1: That's a good point. I didn't have the best reputation um, coming through Air Force Fire Protection when I was an airman and a staff sergeant and tech sergeant for that matter. A, I did not want to be in Air Force Fire Protection up until I was a seasoned tech sergeant. That's when I said, this is the greatest job on earth. So I know that throws a lot of people off, but I'm very honest when I say that because people are like, oh man, you, I bet you want to be a firefighter from, from, from the day you were born. No, I did not. I wanted to be a firefighter as a seasoned tech sergeant. That's when I realized what this craft was about. So I'm glad that my supervisors and my mentors back then did not throw me away um, because I wanted to be in contracting or I wanted to be and work in the hospital or something like that. A lot of people do that. Oh, you don't want to be a firefighter. You're not worth anything to the air force where you are. You just might not know that you're worth something to fire protection at that time. So I thank my mentors and and, and my supervisors that, that were patient with me.
0: And we all, we all have different buy-in times in our careers. Some people it's before you came in, you knew you were all in, before you ever signed on the dotted line, some people it's you know after you get to your first base and you realize what it's all about, and some people like you said it's not until you're a tech sergeant. Hopefully, it's not until you're a senior chief before you realize where you're <laughs> supposed to be. <laughs> right. um, but but you know I think I think everyone's got their different kind of aha moment where they realize hey this is this is who I am this is what I want to be. Um, you know right. I, I have a conversation with my wife often about oh, rabbit trail for a second about separating work and uh, home life. And I, and I tell her it can't be done. It is one life. I live one life. I think about work when I'm at home. I think about home when I'm at work. I think about dessert when I'm eating dinner. I mean, I, I, can't, I you know, I can't compartmentalize life like that. Um, so I don't remember where I was going with that, but
1: <laughs> I can understand that me and my wife have had that conversation recently yeah. over the last couple of days. Cause my phone has been ringing a lot. She's like, you're always working. And I was like, it's normally not like that. I try to, I try not to bring it home after, you know, after four 30, I try not to bring any of that home, but yeah, she always says that I should get overtime, but it's not, a lot of times it's not just work, Ben. It's more or less, I'm talking to friends throughout the career field that are asking me questions like, Hey, you know, what does your sock say when it comes to this? Or I'm talking to some of my mentors because I've had a rough day and I'm calling chief Donan and I'm like, or, or chief Thompson or, or chief, Hey, from from Fairchild, and saying, "Hey, what do you guys think about this?" I've had this happen today, and I just don't know. And that's work. And I'm at home while I'm doing that because it sometimes it's hard to do at work. But well, you're that's right. Where you move
0: from pay, from paycheck to passion, right? Like I'm yeah. doing it to clock in, or I'm doing it because I love doing it. Obviously, you know, Matt and I don't get paid for doing this, but we love it. You know, because it 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 can further the career field. It it gives us a sense of satisfaction. We get to talk to awesome people like you. Um, but we're not getting paid anymore for it. It's passion, you know? And I do
1: remember, Matt, when you when you pitched this at AFIT, I was sitting in there when you pitched this and 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 seeing it come to life, seeing your your you guys' ideal come to fruition from what you pitched in AFIT. This is amazing because it's it's um I've listened to your podcast and it it's there's a lot of stuff out there that the information just might not be getting it when Jeff Wagner talks, sometimes that information isn't getting translated to, to to the people that are riding trucks. And and I know that he he's he's a good communicator. He wants that information to be translated to everyone within Air Force Fire Protection. But it just doesn't get there. This podcast is a medium to get that there. So kudos to you guys. But back on track.
0: All right. Well, we'd like to talk kind of the the meat and potatoes about why we brought you on. You know, we'd like to talk about the U-2 crash that happened there in September 2016 there around Beale Air Force Base. You know, like you said, uh, we were in the uh, fire superintendent course back in December. And I heard you tell the story there. And that took a few hours for you to get through. And I'm sure that probably only really scratched the surface. Um, If I remember right, it was a pretty long, complex incident, had a number of challenges associated with it. But for the sake of time, would you mind summarizing kind of what happened and then talk over some of the lessons learned?
1: Yeah. Um, you. As an old IG guy, we always practice for, for emergencies that happen on base, particularly on the airfield, right? That's just what we do because that's our comfort zone and it's hard to go off base and, and talk to your off base partners to coordinate something like that. But I, I would like to say a good a good portion of your aircraft incidents that happen in Air Force Fire Protection are probably going to happen off base. Um I've seen, I've seen them happen on the flight line at Nellis, um, but a good portion of those could happen off base as well. So this, ha- this incident happened on September 20th, and it happened probably about, I want to say, 30 miles outside the gate from, from Beale, 25, 30 miles in the foothills. Um, so some, some really good information taken from, from that incident was, we went the wrong way the first time because we got dispatch going towards Chico. And if anybody knows the area of Beale, as you're going towards Chico, the aircraft was actually in the Buttes and we were going the complete wrong way. Um, so now we look like a clown, a circus clown, um, turning all of our apparatus around, trying to get to the incident. But we called the local fire chief that was out there at the time, and I'm talking to him. He's like, hey, man, I, I have no idea what this thing is. Um, can you please come and put this out? So we get there. We realize that there was some wildland fire f- f- caused from the aircraft. There was some brush caught on fire. So I think it was a couple of hundred acre wildland fire as well. And we could not find the hydrazine canister from the from the U-2. So immediately we put our heads together and, and we started thinking, we let the the civilian fire chief, we made him basically we did kind of like a mutual command type thing and we let him run the wildland fire. Um we had to try to keep his wildland firefighters out of the area because they wanted to go mitigate around the aircraft. And we're trying to explain to them, A, we have a hazard out there because we don't know where the hydrogen in is, B, um whatever this aircraft's burning off, as far as, as what it's made of. This could be hazardous because when you're fighting wildland fires, you're not wearing SCBA. So they didn't understand that for a little bit. And then they finally got it and they're like, oh, okay, we'll we'll withdraw people. And um, pilot was missing and the the student pilot was missing. So normally your U-2s are, are, are one-seaters. Um, this was a two-seater because Beale is the, is the only um, Air Force Base CONUS that trains U-2 pilots. And so this was a two-seater. Um, one of the lessons learned for us was, Keep aircraft out of the area if possible when that plane goes down, because it's going to cause a lot of confusion for for some other things that are trying to happen in the area. So so we had local aircraft flying. We had CHP flying. We had CAL FIRE flying, dropping airdrops on the the wildland fire. And we had somebody from the base flying a T-38 to do surveillance because we couldn't find one of the pilots. Uh, The student pilot, we actually found him. He had a broken tip fib and some other things going on and he was transported to uc davis um and that, there's something with that story as well but tran- the other pilot lieutenant colonel edie uh, the seasoned pilot we couldn't find him and so we actually leveraged cal our um, chp to take my um, deputy up senior master sergeant mark belton at the time um he took sergeant belton up and and we spotted the, the pilot and we went he, they, you know they lowered belton down and we covered the pilot with a with an American flag because he was he was he was open for everyone to see, and there was other aircraft flying around. A crazy story. My wife was stationed down at Long Beach at the time, and so she calls me and she says, "Hey, I see a pilot or um, airplane went down at, at, in your area," and this is 15 minutes into the incident. So I'm thinking, how does the news know about this already? But the, we live in an age of technology, and, and so just just know that not only the news is probably going to be telling. The rest of the world, what's going on at your base? Your firefighters are going to be telling the rest of the world of what's going on in your base. Because about fifteen minutes after my wife calls, I'm getting calls or text messages from friends in Japan, in Germany. You guys know about it, and so I'm like, "How does everybody know about this?" But word travels fast when we all have our digital assistants in our pockets, right? Our cell phones. So people are breaking out those digital assistants and taking pictures and of the U2 and of the damage and. So we had a P-23 that we asked to come out to the scene and the the P-23 actually, um, the brakes caught on fire as it was coming out to the scene. The P-23s, I don't think they're made to drive long distances, um, especially down at their aging. And that was one of the things that the EOC director at the time started questioning. Well, you know, do our firefighters have the training that they need, blah, blah, blah. And, thank god i had an amazing commander at the time and, and my commander basically shut that down instantly and and i will say his name lieutenant colonel john volchek um, one of the most amazing people ever and and he completely shut all that down and he said hey look your firefighters are professionals and they're out there killing it and so
2: don't ever question them so what does all- a break fire have to do with not being trained i don't i don't understand the connection I don't either.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I wish I could answer that, but I, I don't understand the con- connection either. There was no connection. It was more or less, you know, when, when something like that happens, fingers start getting pointed um, and we even do it to ourselves. It was the first thing I said when the CE building caught on fire and I was on the job for 90 days. I'm about to get fired. Um, so finger, <laughs> finger, finger pointing gets really easy when an incident happens. And um that's that's one of the things that you have to deal with as as a chief fire officer is, is some fingers are going to start getting pointed. Mm-hmm. So I tell everyone all the time, I, my thought process is different on how I do business every day. I do business from a legal perspective. I tell everyone it, it, if I go to jail, am I going to be able to explain this or I am not going to jail? So we need to be able to articulate this as best as possible because I'm not going to jail. So I think a lot of people Kind of just do stuff passionately, um, but I try to look at stuff a little more on a legal perspective to say that that it it doesn't it doesn't flow the way it's supposed to flow, so it doesn't make sense. Um, so we we had we, once we found Colonel Edie, it was it was it was a bad situation because he 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 had perished. Um, so now we have a recovery, we have a hazmat with the with the um, with the hydrazine, we have a wildland fire, and we have a, we have an actual aircraft crash. So four incidents at once. Um it got a little hairy. One thing that we we always have issues with is is food for support. I love my force support brothers and sisters, but one of the things that we haven't figured out yet completely as a as a career field, us and them, except for J Bear. Jay Bear does have it figured out is the food portion of it, um, water. So yeah. It was Yeah, Chief, fun. I don't know if you
2: want to hit on that a little bit. What you were talking about it on the all call that we had for senior fire officers the other day. And you'd mentioned some legal review. Yep. Uh, Chief Donan, guy's brilliant,
1: absolute genius. He did a legal review. And and not only does he have the coordination through FSS, um, Chief Donan can have his logistics NCO go out and actually purchase food on GPC card. That's amazing because at the end of the day, if something happened on Beal right now, I'm probably going to hop in my pickup truck and go up there and buy a bunch of Little Caesars pizzas on my own dime. But Chief Donan's actually figured it out through a legal review. And, and if anybody wants the paperwork, either contact me or Chief Donan at, at JBEAR and, and get a hold of this paperwork. And, and he's he's gone through the process of doing a legal review and the wing commander has signed it off saying that, yes, I give you the authorization, Fire Chief, to buy food and or beverages um, based on a contingency incident. So...
0: Yeah, Is that the biggest call you've been on in your career, the U2, or, you know, is that the pinnacle or is that one of many large calls or I know you, you're part of the disaster crew, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, disaster crew. um, It's kind of a blessing and a curse to have that name or be associated with that group. Um, when, When commanders hear about stuff happening while you're on your watch, sometimes it might make them a little reluctant to hire you. Uh, but guys like JT and chief Donan and chemo don't, don't have a problem with that. Um, th- this is not the biggest call I've been on or, or it's, it's one of the biggest calls I've been on as a fire chief. Um, but it's not, I was at Nellis for six and a half years and anybody that's been at Nellis knows that you're probably going to average about one plane crash a year at some point. Um, I was there for six and a half years and and saw a few plane crashes while I was there. Um, I was at March Air Force Base in the mid 90s when our bowling alley burnt down. Um, it was in Honduras right after the big hurricane came through. So to clean up for that, I was at Langley when we had a few pretty good Nor'easters. And I didn't know what a Nor'easter was being a California guy coming to the East Coast. So a couple of Nor'easters. And um, yeah, so it's pretty good incidents in my career. And and I guess the disaster crew is is wearing that badge is, is a badge of honor, but it also could be a badge of failure depending on how you see it.
0: So your port, portfolio is, is pretty full at this point. So maybe you're done with the big incidents, hopefully, uh, I guess for, for the public's sake, at least
2: that was me knocking on wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still have your job yes. and, uh, you definitely have all that experience to lean on, which is great. So those two things right there are pretty cool. So I'd like to talk a little bit about leadership with you. I know we we hit professional development and, and how kind of you lead within your department. Uh, I want, I'd want i like to expand on it, if, if we could, a little bit, considering you have a master's degree in leadership. I mean, 28 years worth of experience in the fire service, uh, all the major incidents that you've experienced. And your department was recently recognized as the Department of Defense Fire Department of the Year for 2019, which is an incredible accomplishment. Thank you. What is your leadership philosophy? How do you motivate people to be so successful?
1: Um, th- this is this is another kind of story. Um, so I was sitting with my AC of prevention one day, um, Dr. Kerry Waddell, a lot of people might know of him or, or know him. Awesome guy. He, right now he's the deputy at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba for the Navy, um, with return rights back to Beale. But he um we were talking about something and I said, you know what, man? I said, I am like the the light person in a symphony or a play. I said, if you think about it, the light person, pretty important, right? Because without the lights, there's no show. But you don't know who the light person is. They get no credit for anything. And that's really the way leadership and fire protection should be. Um, You should be the person behind the scenes making things work and making them as smooth as possible. You want to make sure that the right actor gets the right light at the right time or the entire show gets the proper lighting that it's supposed to get at the right time. Um, So that's my leadership philosophy. I don't want credit for anything. I don't need credit for anything. What I do want to do is shine the light on on the department and and the people within the department to get the credit that they deserve um, because they come to work every day. and, And some of those guys, like some of us came in open general and they might not want to be a firefighter. So they deserve the spotlight because they're doing something that they don't want to do. It's hard enough to do this job when you want to do it. It's even harder to do it if it's not your passion or you don't want to do it. So they deserve the spotlight. So that's one of the things that that I, I talked to, to Dr. Waddell about was, was I, I'm a lighting guy. Light goes off at the play. Everybody's mad. Now they want to know who the light guy is. Um, but as long as the lights stay on and, and the show goes on, that light person is um, is pretty, pretty a pretty critical member to that team. Um, so I also believe in inverted leadership, and I think I might have talked about this at Affid a little bit. Um, but inverted leadership is, is more of a, if you think about a pyramid like this, the leader on top. Well, inverted leadership the, that that pyramid, that leader goes to the bottom. Um, so that's why I tell everybody in my department that I work for them, not the other way around. Um, so I work for the the assistant chiefs and the battalion chiefs in my department, they work for the line firefighters in the department and, and the dispatchers and, and whatnot. And then my firefighters actually work for the community, whether on base or off base, that's who they work for. That's who they have to answer to is the community. So ultimately I have to answer to the community as the chief, but that's, that's, that's why they respond to emergencies. They're answering to the community. So I feel like if my job is to give them all the support, Um, Whether it be manpower, resources, professional development, classes, whatever they need, that's my job is to do that for them. My job is not to come around and tell them that, hey, there's a piece of trash in stall three where the P23 is parked. Go pick that up. It's not my job to tell them to do that. If I'm walking by a piece of trash in stall three by the P23, I'm going to pick that trash up because for whatever reason, I'm going to assume that people in the department are doing other things that they need to do. And it's just it, it's it, it's just a misstep that somebody walked by it. But that, that's the way that I see leadership in a nutshell.
2: I think you answered my follow up question to that, which is uh, how do you shine light on your people? You know, I'm trying to get you to give your secrets up. I mean, you just <laughs> won an awesome award. So <laughs> um, if you if you I will
1: send anybody our Sanborn package, if you look at our Sanborn package, there's there's specific bullets in that package that you can see. None of it is me. Um, they, I, ha, I, I got a, a senior select actually puts on senior today, senior master Sergeant Michael Holsey that won a bronze star. Um, that's a big deal in our career field. Um, so that's, that's one of our bullets. Um, I, the ATAC that I was talking about that, that one of my GS9 battalion chiefs came up with this idea to the Institute ATAC and he sold it to the commanders on base and, and they bought in and that's a really big deal. Um, I got a guy that got a doctorate. Gary Waddell. That's a big deal. Um, my HSO, I have an amazing HSO, Rick Gerton, and he, um, he thinks outside the box. He, he got people in to do our, and I don't know other bases are doing this, but he, he started a cradle to grave program to where your dietary um, situation and your, your workout, um, bringing in people that show you how to lift so you don't hurt your back. And I mean, he was bringing these people in monthly to, to show, us hey you know what you just because when you come into fire protection as an 18 19 20 year old and you leave as a a 50 or 60 year old your body's going to deteriorate of course because of age but you shouldn't deteriorate any more than the average person because of your career field um my training guy he's been a training guy since christ was a corporal i mean he's been around forever and you know i disclaimer i think all training guys in air force fire protection are the grumpiest people ever i'm not sure why (laughs) But he's a grumpy guy, but I love him to death. He he's a great training guy. And and he he all of these people that, that my battalion chief just I got a GS8 who's a who's a rock star and, and he's he's always looking for, for for different opportunities to author something or make our responses better. And nothing nothing was me. And and that's the great part about our package.
2: Well, Chief, I think I think you deserve some credit because it all starts at the top. You know, you set the tone with your attitude and and kind of what you focus on and people are going to follow that. Uh, So I got to give you credit. You got, you got to take some credit for it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I I stay, I tell
1: everybody, they ask me, um, in a couple of people ask me, how do you, how do you, how did you get everybody to jail and and whatnot? I I tell anybody all day long, I stay out of people's way. My job is not to walk into your office tomorrow. Either one of you guys. So that's the secret.
2: That's the secret. Stay
1: out of people's way. People (laughs) want to work. The the people that do want to work, that want to come in and, and get the job done. They don't need you looming over their back, telling them what they're doing wrong every day or, or, or telling them the way that I would do it. Just because I was a prevention guy, this is the way I would do it. I'm not going to do that. I stay out of their way. If you need me, you know where I sit. I walk out of the stalls and, and I'll communicate with guys all day long. But I'm not going to tell you the way that you should do things.
2: That's and a lot what of what you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And a lot of what you said, it made me think of. I may have said it on another episode before, but I know I, I feel like I say it all the time. Opportunity and preparation. So when, when you're prepared and you have the opportunity, then things happen for you. It sounds like the, your department in more ways than one is always prepared. And you're ready to seize those opportunities when they come forward. And in this in the 2019, you had a lot of opportunities. You seized them all and here you are.
1: Be open minded. If, if you're a fire leader, um, a leader in the fire service in the Air Force right now, be open minded. Um, I, I come from I come from the days where, where you did what you were told and you didn't ask any questions, but I was the wireman. And anybody that that's going to listen to this podcast, that new A1C Smith, that was an NCO at the time, is going to laugh because they're going to say, yeah, I, I was the guy coming to work asking, why do we load the hose this way? Um, we can do this load and it will come off five seconds faster. Um, why do we clean with never every single day versus why don't we do it once a week? Or no, I'm asking why about everything. And so I, I, I enjoy the why um, if I have an A1C or senior, I'm to come into my office and say, Hey chief, you know, I, why do we do things this way? The first thing I'm going to do is tell them to read some of our founding documents, you know, the SOC and, and our strategic plan and whatnot. And if they say, yeah, I've read all that, but I still don't understand why, why do we, why do we have to come to work for 48 hours? Why, why is it that way? So then I'm going to explain to them and, or I'm going to if, I, if they can't find it themselves, I'm going to explain it to them. But I enjoy the why. So if you give people the ability to fly and let them ask why, why they're flying, you'll get you extract everything possible out of that person. They'll want to work for you. They'll want to do everything they can to make sure that they don't let you down um, because you give them the flexibility to, to be themselves and to lead. No no matter what capacity they're in, lowest ranking airman to to the highest ranking person in that department. You give them the ability to lead. They're going to take that by the reins and they're going to take some chances. Give them the opportunity to take some chances, take some risk. Do some failure. If failure, failure is not only time you really can't fail in our profession is when you're on the fire ground. But let somebody come to work. And and if somebody steps and says, hey, you know what? I want to input the data for our strategic plan this year. Let them do it. If they don't do it to your liking, don't tell them that they didn't do it to your liking. Just explain it to them. Failure is okay.
2: And a good principle is if they didn't do it to your liking, but it was 80% of your liking, why not go with their product? Yes. And it's a way for you to show support for them. Absolutely. And maybe if it's 50% to you, like, hey, let me show you a couple extra things. I like what you did. Let me show you a couple more things. Now you get to that 80%. It's not a perfect product, but it still gets the job done. And then you you know, you show them that you trust.
0: Well, and there's only one way to be perfect, right? There's hundreds of ways to be great. And, uh, so, you know, demanding perfection is never going to work out. 99.9% of the time, it's not going to work out, you
2: know, so. Unless you're Michael Jordan. <laughs> well, had I'm, had watching, I'm watching his Netflix series right now. and Yeah. That's a great, that's a great show. Yeah. yeah. He, had, he had a lot of failure. Yeah, um, he sure did. He, sure he did.
1: shot what fifty three percent over a lifetime, fifty four. percent It was seven
2: seven years, seven seasons before he got an, uh, a championship. You know, kept yeah. losing to the Pistons, but we're kind of off track here. But <laughs> lots of failure. Yeah.
0: So we talked about leadership. We talked about development. Um, so I want you to talk directly to your up and coming fire chiefs now. A uh, couple of couple of two three points of advice you could give anyone who aspires to be a fire chief, who's not quite there yet, but is looking to get there. Anyone
1: that's aspiring to be a fire chief right now. Number one thing that you should do is build a very good network of individuals that you can call and get answers from. Um, I've talked about these guys a few times um, with, within this podcast, but, but the disaster crew is, is definitely a, a group of members that I call a lot and I lean on a lot to get a lot of information from Uh, collectively. Those, those guys are are a little older than me. Um, So they've, they have more experience than me. Um, And with that, one of the best things that you can do is reach out across the DOD. Don't just talk to your friends in air force fire protection, find out what the Navy's doing. Um, You can get some good ideas from, from, from what the Navy's doing. Um, One of my best friends is the fire chief for um, army fire protection. I've talked to him a lot. Um, Army's doing some things right now that the Air Force isn't doing or we haven't thought about. And, and why can't we put that that tool in our toolbox and, and see if our base leadership will let us run with it as well? Um, we run into snags and we run into snags. But why aren't we talking to the other branches of the service to see how, how they're doing fire protection? So that's my number one thing. Build as, as big a network as you can of some people that um, some people that know this career field from a different perspective
2: the number and people that challenge you too, right? That's what I absolutely. Love. Yeah. I, I think the disaster crew,
1: we're challenging each other all the time um, because our, our perspectives are so different based on um, where we're from. And, and I mean, we talk a lot of personal stuff too, but our age differences our you know, one's a retired chief master sergeant, one got out and went his built his way up through the civilian DOD community and two of us are retired master sergeants. And so, different perspective all the way around and yeah we, we challenge each other uh, we've told each other no nah, I wouldn't do things that way or, or you're wrong and it's it's kind of weird to see it happening but you see it so you're absolutely. It's awesome right. that you guys
2: are that honest you know we the, are yeah th- that, those are true true friends you know they're they're gonna tell you when they don't agree with you
1: my my number two thing is we talked about a little earlier don't be johnny come lately um if, if you're trying to move a if you're trying to move up the ranks of, of promotion uh, within DOD Fire Protection or the city, for that matter, if you're if you're a senior member right now and you're trying to get out and test for Dallas Fire Department, don't be Johnny Come Lately, and, and and that means everything is simple as don't get a haircut and start shining your boots because you know a promotion's coming up. All the way to don't say you're going to get your CCAF or your associate's degree, because you know that battalion chief position's coming open. Or don't say, I'm going to go get my bachelor's degree, because I know that the assistant chief of operations is going to retire in in three months. Johnny, come lately. Um, When you start looking at people's stuff and and setting them apart and saying, okay, this person just did it because there's an opportunity, kind of like you were saying earlier, versus opportunity and preparation have now met each other and now it's time for you to get down. Um, so don't be the Johnny come lately. Um, I, I Again, what my kid, Dr. Waddell always talks about, he was applying for a bunch of jobs before he became what he is now. And a lot of people would always tell him, we like you, but you don't have this. We like you, but you don't have that. No one can tell that guy that anymore. They could just say, we don't like you, which is fine, but they can't say we like you, but doesn't happen anymore for him. Um, and then the, the last thing I would say for, for, a fire chief up and coming is <laughs> never be afraid to tell anyone where you came from. Um, I was not the stellar airman. Uh, I, I had a lot of issues as an airman, a whole lot of issues. Um, I, I apologize to my supervisors to this day, even up until, like I said, I was a seasoned tech sergeant. Um, Mr. Dotson, at McConnell, I'm sorry. So there, there's, there's, don't be afraid to tell, to, to, I was not the perfect airman, I was not the perfect NCO, I was not the perfect senior NCO. Um, I probably made some people mad in my career, um, not because I wanted to, just because I was being a jerk. So don't be afraid to tell people where you're from and, and, and always look in the mirror. And if you do that as you're coming up throughout the career field, I realize that it's not always everybody else around you that's messed up. Sometimes it's you. Be mm-hmm. able to look in the mirror and say, it's it's me. I'm that
2: stuff. And I think the more transparent you are about stuff like that, the more respect that you get, the more people are going to listen to what you have to say. Yep. One more thing. You got to have an
1: amazing support system around you, right? If if you're trying to do this at the highest level and I'll bring her back on, you have to have an amazing support system because when, when this person said, Hey, you know what? You have the opportunity to be the fire chief at Beale. It's going to keep us separated for another four years. Because I did get a job offer at Joint Base um, um, San Antonio, where she was in Houston, and she told me to stay at Beale. So people like
2: this, if you're trying to make it, you got to have the support of people like this that are going to be in your corner. And for <laughs> our listeners who can't see the video, he's showing a <laughs> camera towards his wife. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. You have to have that support. And if you don't have it, then you and all of all three of us on this podcast, I've heard of people saying, hey, my spouse doesn't support me being in the military. Um, they want me to get out, blah, blah, blah. I can't get promoted because of you know whatever it is. Um, you have to have that support. So my support system is, is I always tell her whenever we win a big award or something like that at Beale or, or even me personally. Um, she's part of that win too. And she'll say, no, I'm not, I ain't do nothing. But the fact that she let me stay here and, and listens to all my crazy ideals and Saturday morning listens to me do a podcast. Um, she, she's just as part of that win as as anyone else.
0: Well, Chief, it's been so great talking with you today about, uh, you know, life, the job, everything in between. Uh, I wanted to give you the floor for any kind of final thoughts you might have to share. Um one final thought is I'm always available. I've given my email out
1: on this on this forum Kevin period Smith period one fifty at US.af.mil. If you if you want some credentialing advice, if you want some education advice, if you want some fire advice, um, if you if you just want to send me to send you a copy of one of our documents, our sock or something like that, and anything like that, please reach out to me. Um don't wait until it's too late to get yourself prepared to, to do what you want to do um, for your next step. Uh, I thank you guys. You guys are visionaries. It's, um, it's nice to see what you guys brainchild come to fruition. You guys are definitely some visionaries and I, I, I feel comfortable with, with the, the future of air force fire protection with guys like you, um, doing this type of stuff. It, it makes me, it makes my heart warm. So that's all I have.
2: I appreciate the kind words chief and appreciate the support for the podcast for sure. Yes, sir. Absolutely.
0: And for our listeners out there, you know, in addition to the methods, you know, Chief Smith listed off, you can also find him on our Fire Dog Mentorship. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Fire Dog Mentorship. Yeah. And uh, that'll take you to our page and you can click on mentors. And uh, Chief Smith's on there. So find him. Maybe not everyone at once. Give, give, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have
1: a disclaimer with that. I, I, I do have a few people that, that have reached out to me, um, and, and we've had some communication. I'm very bad at texting back. Um, I'm, I'm not as good at it as, as I should be, um, but I, I do try to keep in touch with everyone. I, what What's happened is I started phone calling some of the people that have asked me to mentor them. We set up phone calls instead of the text messages back and forth, and it's helped out a lot. But yes, please reach out to me there also. I, I, will, I will coordinate, I'll correspond with you back and forth. And if it gets hot and heavy, um, then I'll certainly set up a phone call with you as well. So thank you for that opportunity.
0: That's a great uh, medium to communicate over. You know, maybe your first your first session is, is text just to get to know each other a little bit, but then, you know, swap, swap phone numbers and, uh, get on, get on FaceTime, do something where you're actually connecting. Right. Well, chief, again, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I know Matt and I were looking forward to this episode and it's just been excellent. So thank you. And, uh, we'll talk to you next time.
1: Thank you. Say hi to chief K and chief
2: Rose. We'll do chief. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the fire dog podcast. You can find more content just like this regularly posted to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the fire dog podcast. That is facebook.com forward slash the fire D a W G podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate review and share this podcast with your friends and coworkers. This has been Perry here with Matt Wilson and our guest chief Kevin Smith until next time. Stay safe.